You're listening to Food Trucks in Babylon, a Western Seminary podcast with Dr. Todd Miles and Dr. Patrick Schreiner. Listen as they discuss matters of faith, theology, and culture in a post-Christian world. Hey everyone, this is Patrick, and I just wanted to introduce our guest for today's episode. We had a little intro where we talked about where he's from and what he's been doing, but we lost that, so I'm going to give a brief intro here. Our guest is Dr. Nijay Gupta, and he is a professor of New Testament at Northern Seminary. Previously, he was at Portland Seminary. He's actually still in town here in Portland, so he's a lover of trees and a prolific scholar. And so I I just went to his Amazon page, actually, and he's published like two books since we even talked about the most recent book that we're going to talk about, which is Paul in the Language of Faith. So he's dealing with what does Paul mean when he uses the Greek term pistis. And it's a really fun conversation, and you should check out his work. He's a great scholar, good friend. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, your new book, which just came out as we're talking. Uh, Once this airs, it'll be out for a little while, but Paul in the language of faith, he's uh, dealing with this term in Greek, pistis, faith is how we usually translate it, but maybe we'll talk about some other translation options for how to understand this. But really, this book is more wide-ranging than that. You go through Jewish backgrounds, Jesus, and then you apply it to some of Paul's letters. But what I'd love to hear from you, maybe our listeners um, don't know where you're from, what you've been doing. Can you just give us a brief preview of maybe who you studied with for PhD, what you went into, and then some of the schools you've worked at, and what your scholarly interests have been? Yeah, thanks. So I grew up in Ohio, so I'm a Buckeye, uh, born and raised. Um, I went to Miami University of Ohio in uh, southern Ohio. I have to say of Ohio where people get, Mm -hmm. you know, images of Florida in their head. Um, So I studied at uh, Miami. Uh, Actually, you might might know, uh, Patrick, the name Edwin Yamauchi. He's a famous archaeologist, so he was one of my uh, mentors there. Um, and for seminary, I went to Gordon-Conwell okay. Seminary in the uh, Boston area. Yeah, uh, Had a wonderful uh, four years there. Met my wife there, and we got married there. Had my first child uh, in uh, Boston. And I, I really wanted to focus on biblical languages and biblical theology. Um, so I had a wonderful experience um, uh, there. And then for my Ph.D., um, I decided to go to the UK. Yeah. I love traveling. I love mm-hmm. Europe. I love England. And no better place than the University of Durham at that time. Uh, John, Barclay, John Barclay, Professor of Divinity. Yeah. I worked with him. I worked with Stephen Barton, a uh, well-known uh, New Testament theologian. Was Barclay your supervisor then? I, I was uh, co-supervised, co-supervised by Barton and Barclay. Great. Uh, a little bit more by Barton. Okay. And then he went on sabbatical, and I worked with Barclay for okay. a while. Nice. Um, and then, but also James D.G. Dunn, mm-hmm. uh, kind wrote of a the forward for this book, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah, retired, but you know we'd get together for coffee and we would talk. Great. Such a warm gentleman, mm. uh, jovial. And for our listeners, if they don't know, these are all like all stars in New Testament studies. Totally. So if you don't know their books, you should probably just get on Amazon and buy a few of them. So That's these right. are like the people that everyone wants to study with if, if you don't know who they are. Yeah, John Barclay is like number one. Yeah. Everybody right. just has the deepest respect for him. He's a great historian. He's good at social science, but he just also can dig into theology. Mm. And, and um, 
his book on Paul and the Gift, mm-hmm. even though it's kind of heady, academic, yep. Yep. virtually everyone I talk to thinks it's like the best book that's ever been written in the last 30 years. We need a hundred five-page summary from John he's Barclay. Doing it. Is you know he doing he's that? doing it. Okay. He's coming out Great. with another book from Erdman's um, in, in like November. A form of it. Yes, absolutely. That's important for me and others. Totally. No, I, I've read it, but I think it's nice to be able to give out to others and say, you should read this. And that's not the type of book you say you, you should read this. No, At it's least a little pricey. It out. Yeah. 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 No, but it's he, he was fantastic. Just a, a wonderful guy. That's great. Um, had a wonderful experience there. Um, N.T. Wright was the Bishop of Durham at the time. Nice. Yeah. I like to tell people that when I was there, Durham was famous for two things. Mm-hmm. One is that Tom Wright was the Bishop of Durham. The other is it, Durham Cathedral is a Harry Potter filming site. Oh, that's amazing. First Both two, of those are amazing in their own ways. Yeah. Right. <laughs> My kids will be more excited about the second one. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> so if you go to Durham Cathedral, there's still fake cobwebs. Nice. And um, they have like fake um, mm. cardboard. Yeah. Uh, over pipes and stuff that are mm-hmm. too modern looking. Yeah. So what That's house cool. were you in? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. If you had to choose, so what Harry Potter house? Hat. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I don't like the colors of Gryffindor. Yeah. Which is the problem. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. I like the colors of Slytherin, but that just feels wrong. Yeah. Um, and so you uh, finished that, and then you've. I know you've worked at a bunch of institutions. Maybe the last few you could just give us oh a summary. Boy. Yeah. So you're for, in Portland. Yeah. Before that, I was teaching at um, Portland Seminary, George Fox University, for six years, wonderful Mm -hmm. six years there. Before that, I was at Roberts Wesleyan College, Mm -hmm. uh, their seminary. Uh, And then I I did stints in various places. Ashland Theological Seminary is one of them, which is my hometown. So that was kind of fun. But um, we're at the place now where my kids are getting older. We just want to stay put. Yeah. And yeah. we love Portland. Um, I, love I feel like I'm, I'm a native Portlander just yeah. after being here six years. Right. Your kids need the, the food truck, food, and everything else that we'll talk about. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Something you know, like that. Yeah. It's funny. Like, I grew up getting Happy Meals, and, you know, they grew up yep. getting Pock Pock or whatever. Right. So <laughs> it's just a whole different, you know. My daughter loves Pock Pock. Yeah. She's like, I need Pock Pock. And I'm like, oh. You're such an uppity Portlander now. Our, our, <laughs> thing, our thing is mod pizza. Mod because pizza. everyone yep. can get what they want. It's pretty right. fast. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's jump into faith. Um, how, how do you think pa- faith is used popularly in Christian circles? And you gave kind of three options for how we understand it. And so, when when people in church, I think a lot of our listeners are pastors or seminary students or wanting to go into ministry or in ministry. As we use faith. Kind of what typically do you think comes into the Christian mind? And then maybe we, you could speak to what your project is kind of adding to that. Right. So, you know, you often hear faith in two or three different ways. All of them, I think, have a grain of truth, but they're kind of get distorted easily. One is this idea that faith is a, an opinion. Mm-hmm. So you hear people, like I taught a course once, undergraduate, and this, you know, one student argued the resurrection is, you know, not a real event. Mm-hmm. And then someone else says, I believe it by faith, meaning I don't have any evidence. Right, right. And, you know, it's, it's like just, a blind leap in the dark kind of. Yeah, it's just, it's a conversation stopper. Yeah, like, right. oh, it's just this weird belief I have. Don't question it. Yeah, right. And that, you know, as we all know, that's not really the way Paul worked. Paul was really yeah. um, forceful with argumentation and logic. Um, another way is that it's somehow the opposite of doing or mm-hmm. the opposite of works. Mm-hmm. So this whole let go and let God, you know, yep. and right. uh, I remember one scholar saying faith is um, the soul's recumbency on Christ. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Very beautiful. It's beautiful, but <laughs> is it really this kind of not doing? Mm-hmm. 
And um, that, you know, as I did some research on how pistis was used in the Greco-Roman world, I came to see that that's definitely not true. A third way, which is one of the bigger dangers of pastors and theologians, is treating faith as if it means doctrine. Mm, mm. And by that I mean something you can write on a piece of paper that you put in your pocket to Mm -hmm. say what you believe. Mm -hmm. We see that with faith statements. Yeah, right. Or a statement of faith or faith traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember a a Jewish scholar saying, Mm. I hate when they refer to it as um, interfaith Mm -hmm. because it automatically uses Christian language. Mm. And Jews are more about culture and practice than they are about quote-unquote faith. It's Mm -hmm. it's, it's automatically playing into Christian um, Mm. terminology. And And I thought that was really interesting because... We do tend to use it in a doctrinaire kind of way that I, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with having doctrine, but, but is that what Paul meant by the mm. word faith? And I, I don't think it is. What about? Do you have any thoughts about Jude? Because I just thought of contend for the faith delivered once and all for the saints. I know you're not doing Jude. Yeah, in this. no, it's very similar to what what Philippians uh, says, which is the faith of the gospel. Yeah, right. Or right. Galatians chapter one, mm-hmm. proclaiming the faith. Yeah. Um, but what I would say is. The way Paul's talking about that is more, he's more talking about the Christian way, okay, uh, or the Christian religion, okay, than like um, doctrine, than than like yeah, this this kind of uh, intellectual set of beliefs or ideas, okay, yeah, that it's makes more sense. holistic, I would say, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was thinking of another text, First Timothy four six. You put these things before brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine. Do you think their faith and good doctrine are paired together in any way? Um, what's the Greek word for doctrine? Sorry, this is getting a little bit nerdy here. Um, didaskalia. Okay. Teaching. So, yeah, yeah, so I get away from the word doctrine just because, not because it's wrong, but it, we just overuse Christian words right? Uh, to the point where it means kind of the modern things we think of. So, right. yeah, I would say Christian teaching, but then the faith, I think, is something broader. Mm. It's the whole way that we think, yeah. live, and move okay. as the Christian people. Makes sense. Um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't translate it as Doc. faith equals doctrine. Yeah, yeah. That like a hendieties. I wouldn't do yep. that. Mm-hmm. So how does your book come alongside of kind of maybe these more popular views? What is your right. kind of big idea, basic argument that you're trying to help people see with how this word is used in Paul's literature and even Jesus uh, in the Gospels, mm-hmm. how he uses it? Yeah, so one big point I'm going to talk about is method, and then the other point will be kind of meaning. Mm -hmm. So method, um, most Greek words have one basic English meaning, Mm -hmm. like hand means hand. You could metaphorize it, but it still relates to the meaning hand. The Greek word pistis, which we translate as faith, is really unusual. Mm. It doesn't seem to have just one simple, easy meaning. Mm -hmm. So let let me just say that, you have these related words. So you have pistuo, which is a verb, I believe, right. which is related to pistis. And you have pistas, which is an adjective, which means faithful, and it's also related to pistis. Mm-hmm. And yet those words go in kind of different directions. So pistio goes in more of an of a epistemological thinking direction, cognitive, and pistas goes into more of a social virtue direction. So I talk about pistis as a polyvalent word. It can have all these kind of rich nuances. Mm, mm -hmm. And really you have to, so the method issue I want to raise is translators need to be more dynamic in how they're willing to translate pistis in the New Testament. So in my book, I give the example of save, sozo, Mm -hmm. which means I save. Right. Sometimes it's translated as I save. Sometimes it's translated as I heal. Right, right. And we do that because we sense in the context there's reason to do that. I think it's the same way with pistis. Mm. 
Did you know there's only two times in most English translations of Paul where the translators allow pistis to be translated faithfulness? Mm. It's in the fruit of the Spirit, peace, mm-hmm. love, joy, goodness, kindness, patience, faithfulness. Interesting. And Romans 3, 3, where it refers to the pistis of God, faithfulness of God. Uh, yeah. There seems to be a kind of uh, allergic reaction to allowing it to be translated as faithfulness anywhere else in Paul, mm. probably out of fear that we would just fall into works righteousness. All right. of a sudden, I think it's me. But methodologically, we have to realize in the ancient world, and we can get into this later if you want, Pistis had the strong quality of true commitment, mm-hmm. loyalty, mm. clinging, attaching mm-hmm. to another person. Mm. And that goes beyond what we think of as just faith or belief, certainly goes beyond belief. It moves in the territory of trust, but even more so into what I think of as firm commitment. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, just to use an old image, just marriage. I mean, it's more than having faith in the other person. Right. You're really, you're really, yeah, you're really putting your fate in their hands. Right. So that's the method one, the piece I want to add, which is not that controversial, but translators just don't translate it other yeah. than faith. Yeah. The Common English Bible took liberties. They took too many liberties, and it became this weird Frankenstein there's okay. this interesting essay by Joel, uh, by um, Richard Hayes mm. in the Festschrift, the uh, celebration writing for Beverly Gaventa. Mm-hmm. So I'm not you know, gossiping here because this has all been published, but <laughs> you'll find this really interesting. So Richard Hayes and Beverly Gaventa, two really famous mm-hmm. New Testament scholars, mm-hmm. they were asked to translate Romans mm-hmm. for the Common English Bible. Mm-hmm. And they came up with a really nice translation. Then it was handed over to a readability committee, and the readability committee just chopped it up into bits, and they changed things. Mm. And it was so changed that they didn't put their names on the document oh, wow. at the end. Wow! And uh, part of so what what Hayes does in this essay is he walks through how they translate faith in the Common English Bible and Romans, mm. and he says theologically it just makes no sense. Mm. So I don't think we should go that far, right? But I think we should have a real um, mm-hmm. sensitivity to the context. Yeah. All right, meaning, here's a big piece of what I argue. With. I have several arguments in there, but a big piece that I really want to convey is we think of faith as a Christian term. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we might think Old Testament is about law. New right. Testament is about faith. Right. What I realized as I researched for this book is that Jews in the time of Paul and Jesus were very comfortable using pistis to talk about their relationship with God and with others. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, that was really transformative for me, and I came to realize, looking at the Septuagint and other texts like Josephus, that Jews used mm-hmm. sometimes used pistis mm-hmm. as a way of talking about what we would call a covenant relationship with God. I don't know another scholar that has really drawn that out mm-hmm. using evidence from Josephus, mm-hmm. Septuagint, mm-hmm. And, and Sirach. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of obvious to me, there's all these questions that New Testament scholars have about why Paul doesn't talk about covenant more. Right, right. And for me, they're looking in the wrong place. Right, he's using different words maybe for it. Is that think, what you're getting I at? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, and he's maybe pulling from some of these traditions in terms of how Jews thought about their relationship with the Lord, and he's using, maybe I'm asking here, he's using using faith as kind of a covenantal term. Is that where you're going? Yeah, so I don't think it's it's can be defined that way, but I would say it's either an approximation of covenant language or it's a circumlocution, meaning Mm. that it's a roundabout way of referring to covenant. Now, Josephus scholars, because Pistis occurs a lot in Josephus' work, Josephus scholars like John Barclay, Christopher Begg, others, 
they say the reason why people like Josephus and maybe later Paul, mm-hmm. or maybe not later, but maybe Paul, the reason why they do this is because non-Jewish readers are not going to be familiar with covenant language. Mm-hmm. And because of how commonly pistis was used for mutual relationships of what I say, goodwill and obligation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, they would use pistis okay. for those yeah. relationships. Yeah. And that translates very well into how a Jew thought about covenant, either right. interpersonal covenant, covenant or divine human covenant. Okay, okay. Yeah, I like what you did in your book, and maybe you can just piggyback on this and explain it better than I can since you wrote the book. But your kind of modulation between different ways that pistis faith is used, and you said sometimes there's more of um, an interior aspect to it, which is maybe how we typically think of it, like a believing faith, mm-hmm. cognitive Mm-hmm. interior maybe are the words to use right. and then there's um a more of an exterior faithfulness uh and the term that you used for that was a uh obeying faith obeying faith yeah. obeying faith yeah and then there's kind of a middle ground where it's both and a trusting right. faith is yeah. that so is is your argument that pistis this term can be used and sometimes it'll lean more interior right. cognitively and other times it'll lean more obedience, faithfulness, but that maybe sometimes it's actually including all of those concepts together. And yeah. are you just saying take each respective context and how Paul or how Matthew or how Jude is using it and saying, okay, break out of the just cognitive ascent right. and, and start thinking kind of more polyvalently with this term is that is that kind of what you're getting yeah, at that, that's absolutely it patrick yes like if you think about the word righteousness dikaiosune mm-hmm. does it mean integrity sometimes it means integrity mm-hmm. which is a very personal thing right does it mean justice yeah sometimes it means justice but actually i don't think we should always translate it as justice because sometimes it seems to be talking about a personal quality rather mm-hmm. than an activity right but sometimes it's dikaiosune is talking about what we think of as justice right Right. So really you have to decide based on the context and translators need to be better at gauging that. So I think you're right. When I say modulate, I mean, you know, it's not like you just list five definitions in the dictionary and just throw a dart at which one's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Modulation means you got to get a sense of the context where, where Paul's going with that. Mm-hmm. And is he talking more like we walk by faith, not by sight? I do think faith or belief is right there because he's talking about a certain way of looking at the world, okay. the way we live in the world, based on how we looked at the look at the world. So that's a little more cognitive in that sense. I think so. Yeah. And then on other occasions, like in First Thessalonians or Philippians, where you have mm. a persecuted people who are struggling mm. with their faith. Yeah. Paul's saying, push forward, move on, uh, fight the good fight of faith. He's he's giving that kind of message to them. Right. He's telling them to put on armor. Mm-hmm. He's calling mm-hmm. them soldiers. Right. In that sense, it makes good sense to say loyalty, That's faithfulness. Right. Yeah. And it's not something bad that we should say, oh, no, then I'm doing good works. Mm-hmm. It's a way of saying, um, Paul, like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, get busy living or get busy dying is the phrase I use That's in my right. students a lot, which comes yeah. from the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's about moving forward in faith. Right. And, and you know, it's no, more, it's no more Pelagian or works righteousness than when Paul says fight the good fight of faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think for our listeners, it's good for them to hear like who haven't been in the languages that 
sometimes we can assume there's a one-to-one correspondence between Greek words and English words or Hebrew words and English words, but that it's actually better to understand these words have a gloss, a, a, a certain range of meanings. And so anytime you just use one word always to translate something, you're actually probably losing pieces of that word. And that's where you're getting with yeah. that more polyvalent. And yes. polyvalent means just it has a range of meanings. It doesn't mean it can mean anything. Right. But it, it, it certainly is not like one point, like faith always completely captures what they mean by pistis. Yeah, you know, we... Um we, we put so much emphasis on, you know, what our Bibles say. Right. And, you know, I totally trust the Bible. Mm-hmm. I even trust our English Bibles. But when I went to seminary, one of my professors was Doug Stewart, famous for his book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Yeah. So I remember going into his office like the first week of seminary, and I said, Dr. Stewart, tell me what the most accurate, best translation is. I expected him to say the NIV because he was right. on the NIV translation right. committee. He said, you're doing yourself a disservice if you limit yourself to one Bible translation. Right, right. We trust our translation committees, but they're fallible, and they make mistakes, and they make revisions, and that's okay because, you know, we mm-hmm. trust Scripture, right. but the human translators are imperfect. Yeah. So, you know, there's a proverb, you may know this, there's an Italian proverb, traditore, traditore, which means oh, yeah. translators are liars. Yep, yep. Or translators are traitors. Pennington made us read that article in uh, Greek too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and what I like about that is to say... Any act of translation is an act of interpretation. Mm-hmm. You're choosing. Right. I remember, do you remember the movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was a subtitled film. Mm-hmm. So one day, I don't know, I was in college or something, I decided to put the subtitles on and the audio dubbing. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting is the subtitles were really literal yeah. and the audio dubbing was really dynamic. Yeah. And they were completely different. <laughs> so you're just seeing two different translation theories right, at work in a right, movie. It was right, really right. interesting. That's what you play for your classes now to get yeah, to understand. They, they all lock onto that. Well, this has been really good. We're going to take a quick little break here and then we're going to come back and talk about food and pistis some more. Great. Hi, my name is Julia, and I'm in the THM program at Western Seminary. My favorite part about this program is how it combines high-level scholarship with deep personal transformation. Studying the Word of God in an academic setting has given me the space to really explore the deep questions I have about the nature and character of God and His Word. And through it all, I'm continually amazed by how the gospel energizes every part of my life. Western Seminary serves as a catalyst and resource for spiritual transformation by providing, within for the church, advanced training for strategic ministry roles. If you're interested in learning more about Western or starting your application, visit us online at westernseminary.edu. Now back to the show. Okay, we're back. We're with Anijay Gupta, and we're talking about faith and how it's used in Paul and the New Testament. But one of the things we always like to do is ask about food trucks, because we are food trucks in Babylon. And you live in Portland. Not all of our guests do. So do you have any recommendations for anyone who would visit here or lives here? Yeah, definitely. So if you're talking like a traditional food truck, um, so the pod that is by Powell's, Mm -hmm. I don't remember the name of it. What's the name of the pod? By Powell's, like bookstore? Yeah. 
Oh, I don't know. Like okay, downtown? It's a whole city I don't block. go downtown don't a lot. Know, it might be gone now. But no, I know what you're talking about because I think uh, they're building a hotel there. Oh, bummer. Anyway, yeah. there's an Egyptian shawarma place. Nice. I don't know the name of it. Yeah. But that's, you know, you're always good with shawarma. Yeah. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit uh-huh. and talk about a food truck that was turned into a restaurant. Okay. Some people that's are fine. against those. That's fine. But it's called Luck Lack. Okay. And it's a Vietnamese fusion. Where is this? It's downtown. Downtown. Um, okay. Yeah, right by NATO Parkway. Yeah. And it's incredible. That's great. For my birthday, for about four years, my wife would get me Luck Lack, mm-hmm. bring it home. We'd watch a movie. So um, fantastic dishes there. Yeah. The other one is actually in my neighborhood area. It's mm-hmm. in Multnomah Village, southwest Portland. It's called Gigi's Cafe. Mm-hmm. And it's waffles and, um, yeah, nice. just waffles and breakfast kind of food. Nice. It's incredible. Yeah. Before we got on the air... You talked me out of uh, Bollywood theater being authentic, so I'm, I'm still kind of recovering from that. Yeah, I, you know, you know what? People ask me a lot because I'm Indian. You know, you, this is this is podcast. You can't. That's see true. Me, that's true. But um, people ask me a lot about where should I go to get Indian food. I'll tell you Not what, in Portland. Indians eat at home, honestly. Uh, so you know, if you you know want to pay me so in, thirty bucks, invite you I'll over. Make you. <laughs> Some delicious curry and talk and to you vegetables. about pistis. That's right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. If you buy ten of my books, I will make you a delicious rice and curry. That's great. Um, no, I you know if I would go to Beaverton if I wanted Indian yeah. food, probably. Cool. Okay. Well, we're talking about this kind of modulation, and I have a few like further questions on how we use it in terms of believing, trusting. Mm-hmm. I was I was just thinking, and you might have addressed this in your book. I don't remember, but I was just thinking through it as I was kind of piecing through the book last night. And uh, this is more like philosophical, anthropological. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think, how do you deal with the, the relationship between the cognitive and the social? Because I guess my question was, can you actually have the social without the cognitive? Or does the social, like, so I think some would assume, well, you have to have the cognitive belief, cognitive Jesus is Lord kind of conviction, which will then turn into the social uh, reality of right. the faithfulness. And now we're getting into kind of anthropology and how things work. Do you, did you have any thoughts as you were working through here in terms of, like, can you, I guess my question is, could you have it be used? The reason I ask this is, can you have it be used as a um, uh, obeying faith without assuming a cognitive? Yeah, um, it, it's not so much uh, that you that Paul is separating these things entirely mm-hmm. in actuality. Yeah. He's just sort of looking at one piece of it for a particular reason. Gotcha. So if he's talking about perseverance, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm thinking of a text like First um, Thessalonians, mm-hmm. where you have believers who are, they have all these questions, these people in their church died and they're experiencing persecution. Yeah. And I think about like running on a treadmill, which I don't do, but I've seen people do. And, you know, you think about, like, you're getting tired, you're going to, like, set the treadmill slower and slower Yep. because you're getting tired. And Paul's saying, no, keep it going. And he could say, like, hey, think differently here. But sometimes mm-hmm. you just, you know, like, I watch my kids play soccer. They play for clubs here in Portland. And I could yell, like, get your mind to the game, which right. I do sometimes. Right. Sometimes I just yell, run faster. Yeah, right. right. You know, and right. so it's not that they don't need to get their minds that's in the right. game, but sometimes you're just yelling at their legs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think sometimes Paul's doing that. Gotcha. So they're not set, like, it's a it's a holistic idea, but sometimes you're emphasizing yes. one aspect or the other. That's what you're getting at. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's helpful. Um, in terms of translation then, uh, how would you recommend, like, would you use these terms of trusting, obeying, and believing as the substitute for faith? And I know you can't always just say, well, here's the one way to do it. But 
yeah. as you find yourself even thinking out loud as you're translating maybe in your head or you're translating in front of classes or you're preaching. I know you go around and preach at different sure. churches. Yeah. Do you try to throw in some other terms just to kind of shake people out of, I assume, what I, I know do. what it is? Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely. You know, just to give an example, I remember, you know, one preacher and teacher saying we should translate uh, kingdom of God as empire of God. Mm -hmm. And man, when I hear that, it offends me immediately. Right, right. right. Like I'm thinking of Star Wars, <laughs> or I don't know what. But it, do, you know, it doesn't sound Christiany. Kingdom does. Right, right. But actually, it makes a lot of sense. If, right. You know, if the emperor is Basilius, then Basileia yeah. makes a lot of sense. Right. So I do want to shake people up. Um, you know, I, I'm not set on any specific terminology. I think commitment is probably a really good term for the holistic. Mm. And that is something that we all understand. Mm -hmm. um, belief, faith, I mean, I think it X-Files, and it starts to get really kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, ethereal. Right. But, you know, let's take 2 Corinthians 5, 10, we, 10, we walk by faith, not by sight. I think, you know, I did some work on the Lord's Prayer. Mm -hmm. No matter, you know, I bet 100 years from now, we'll still say Hallowed. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> there's some things that just won't go away, yeah. even though even no though one can explain yeah. what that means. Right, right. There's some things that won't go away. Maybe the word faith won't go away. Right. So there's actually a, a colleague of mine. Her name's Jeanette uh, Hagen Pfeiffer. I don't know if you know her. She teaches at Biola. Mm -hmm. She said maybe we need two words. Maybe we need to say believing faith, mm -hmm. and maybe sometimes we need to say obeying faith yep. and trusting faith, and then you get the consistency. I don't think that's going to catch on with the NIV, but I like that idea of keeping the consistency of the word faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um so I'm, I'm open. I like the word commitment. Um, I like the word trust. But, you know, it's going to be cultural, too, even within the United States. Mm -hmm. And some things are going to resonate more with people, yeah. uh, some terms than others. Yeah. Did you look, uh, one of the thoughts I had when I read the book, too, is it, reformers have broken faith down into those three different categories, and they use Latin terms that I probably can't pronounce exactly right. Not notitia, census, and fiducia. Oh, yeah. And I think the notitia, notitia, I think is the way you say it, I don't remember, is like the, um, almost like the doctrine mm -hmm. part of it. And then um, a fiducia would be the like faithfulness, faithfulness per yeah. personal reliance. Fidelity. And then a census would be maybe that more cognitive piece. Do you, so, uh, maybe I'll ask that question and back up. I know you went through Augustine and Luther. Mm -hmm. Like what, what did you find in kind of the history of interpretation of faith? Yeah, now I'm glad you asked that. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, so what I noticed is the Apostolic Fathers talking early on, First Clement, people like that, they were very comfortable talking about pistis as a social virtue, something we do. Yeah. And you actually mentioned that, I think, earlier on. You mentioned, um, you know, questions about faith as doing, mm -hmm. because historically we have this faith dichotomy. First works, yeah. Uh, re, you know, that, that, we, that we rest and we let God do and we don't do, and that's works righteousness. Um, the apostolic fathers were quite comfortable, and I, you know, mm -hmm. you're a you're a, a fan of the Gospel of Matthew as I am. Mm -hmm. And one thing that R.T. France pointed out to me, which was kind of a confirmation of my research, is he says in Matthew twenty three twenty three, when Jesus is uh, criticizing the Pharisees, he mm -hmm. says, "You neglected to do poieo, yeah. Yeah. the weightier matters of the law," and he right. includes in that list pistis. Yeah, was it justice, mercy, yeah. and, and pistis? pistis. Yeah. yeah. And so if you if you put the pieces together. There, you're doing you're doing pistis. Yeah, right, right. And that to us Something is a contradiction in terms, yeah. but actually, um, that's a very common expression. Doing pistis mm -hmm. in the ancient world would be mm -hmm. very common. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so in the reception history, in terms of how the early Christians understood this, uh, First Clement, some of those texts, they were very comfortable talking about 
pairing together pistis and hospitality, mm. both things that Christians should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, I think, with Augustine that he starts thinking about this more as confession and belief. Mm-hmm. You see it, for example, in his Enchiridion. You see it some other things as well. Uh, I think he's the beginning of that more intellectualization of the term. I don't mm-hmm. think that's necessarily what he intended. I don't think it's necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. We see it go even further with Aquinas, uh, more scientific uh, scientia approach to the term. And then um, I want to talk about Luther for a minute because, you know, one of my favorite things, I know you you have similar training as I do, is going back to the sources. It, it, I don't want to read books about Luther. I want to read Luther. Mm-hmm. Now, my German is not so good, nor my Latin. So I just read it in English, and I consulted some of the other, you know, other languages he used. But I read his Galatians commentary in English and looked for his faith language. And what, what, I, I, what I found was really surprising. I was, expecting, I was expecting to find justification by faith as kind of the thing he says always. One thing to understand about Luther is he wasn't Calvin. He wasn't a systematic thinker. He was a passionate preacher. He was just a lover of provoking people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he just was a jovial person. But instead of thinking of one Luther, you have to think of like five or six Luthers that kind of come out in different places. Right. And so, yes, he talks about the problem with the Catholic Church and their works and things. He connects that to, to Galatians. But the more consistent thread I found was actually what we might think of as a union with Christ mm. emphasis on faith. He talks about faith as being united with Christ. And he even says, I can't remember the exact quote, but he says, as if the two of us become one. Mm-hmm. Faith unites us with Christ. Yeah. It seems very Calvin to me. Right. But uh, this comes out very uh, mm. clearly in mm-hmm. his Galatians commentary. And this made sense of a, some statements by Ernst Kasemann mm-hmm. and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that, who are both highly influenced by Luther. Mm-hmm. Both those scholars said there can be no ethic of the New Testament. Mm. And I'm, I consider myself a New Testament ethicist, so I found that very confusing. Mm-hmm. What they mean by that is once you create an ethic or systematic theology, you've made something one step removed from a relationship with Jesus. Mm. And so they said the New Testament has no ethic because once you start obeying an ethic, you're taking your focus off of Christ. Yeah. Now, I think of ethics differently, but I mm-hmm. get their point, and right. actually it should resonate with us right. that there is no ethic except to be one with and follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think that actually captures Luther better Mm. than the quote-unquote Lutheran interpretations that say Luther was all about justification by faith over and against works righteousness. That that, that doesn't come out to me in his Galatians commentary strongly as the more covenantal, that's my term, but covenantal Covenantal. union approach. Yeah. So can you walk us through, I think um, you make the point that faith is something you do. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people, when they read Galatians, Romans, Ephesians 2, right, right. you're going to have, hey, you're not saved by this. You're not justified by works of the law. You're right. justified by faith. And so it's pretty ingrained in at least some traditions right. that this is something you believe or something you do. And that's, I mean, that come, becomes pretty central for right. how we explain what Christianity is in, in many traditions. So right. how do you think, like, what is he actually, what is he actually distinguishing between with faith and works? Because you can hear the, if you, if they're both something you do, then what's the distinction? Right. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, let's talk about Galatians and then later we could talk about Romans and Ephesians if you want. But in Galatians, 
most scholars now know and recognize that Paul's not criticizing works. In fact, he says, um, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters. The only thing that matters is faith mm-hmm. working through mm-hmm. love. So right there in Galatians 5, uh, he already pairs pistis with right. working. Right. Very clearly. It doesn't come out as clear in the English as it does in Greek, but it's right there. Um, so what's he talking about, in, for example, in chapter 2, when he says mm-hmm. to Peter... You know that a person is not justified yeah. by works of law, but justified by pistis Christu. Right, two sixteen. I take that as faith in Christ. By the way, yeah, we could take okay. a whole other podcast yeah, yeah. to talk about that. <laughs> but um, it's important to recognize what Jews would have thought about how one relates to God mm-hmm. in the first century. Mm-hmm. If you asked a Jew, "Hey, do you live by the grace of God?" They would say Exodus chapter three. The Lord is gracious and compassionate and full of, you know, steadfast love and et cetera. If you said to them, but are you obligated to obey Torah? They would say yes. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't be confusing to them to Mm -hmm. know a deeply gracious and merciful and loving God that chose them and not the other way around. And yet to also feel like, okay, it's a privilege to be in the people of God and I need to be obedient to the covenant. Yeah. Um, And so you have to understand that's the platform that Jews are working with. Mm. You take a text like Galatians where you have a third party. I call them the Jewish Christian missionaries. You can call them the interlopers, the agitators. There's a million mm-hmm. different terms for them. Yep. But there's another group of Jewish Christians probably that are trying to share with the Galatians a gospel different than Paul's gospel. What were they saying? What they weren't saying was, hey, you can be justified by works righteousness. Nobody really nowadays, I think, thinks that because... Look at what Paul talks about in Galatians 1 and 2, circumcision and food laws. Mm. He doesn't talk about walking old ladies across the road. He's not talking about giving money to the poor. Right. He does a little bit, but that's not the central focus. Right. So he's talking about specifically works of Torah. Mm-hmm. Jews and probably some early Jewish Christians thought, and this is what I argue in the book, that you were justified, or we would say saved, by faith, mm-hmm. pistis, because Jews were already comfortable using that language. But if you think of pistis like a road Mm -hmm. to God, Mm -hmm. then they would have thought of Torah as the vehicle. Mm -hmm. And maybe they thought of Jesus Christ as the driver, and you're in the passenger seat, right? The crazy thing that Paul does is he takes the car out of the equation. Mm -hmm. And so I talk about this in my book as if it's like splitting the atom for the first time. Okay, It would have been un... You know, if you would have asked the Jewish Christian missionaries... Are you saved by pistis? Mm-hmm. I think they would have said yes. Mm. Read Sirach, read Josephus, mm-hmm. read the Septuagint. They mm-hmm. would have said yes. Habakkuk 2.4, it's right mm. there. Mm-hmm. But for him to say, but you can be justified by pistis without works of the law. Yeah. Unfathomable. It's like that you don't have the vehicle by yeah. which faith works. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you don't yeah. have the vehicle uh, that... The means that the relationship the means works. Which, like the gas. I don't know. I'm trying to think yeah. of the analogy. Well, works, so I, yeah. I just taught the gas this in the in car. A, I just taught this in a course <laughs> this morning. So I just said, let's say, yeah, let's say I'm a power plant and you're a house mm-hmm. and you want electricity. Yeah. What you want is electricity. I'm going to run the electricity to you, but yeah. I run the electricity through a cable. Right. So what if I, you know, what if he comes along, you know, a third party and says, I'm going to offer you electricity, mm-hmm. no cable. Right. Right. Say, right. You don't yeah. actually need the cable, right? But right. you just think you yeah. can't not have the cable. Like it doesn't make sense. How to does separate it get the there? Yeah. 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 And so, um, so this is what Paul's doing. He's okay. saying you can have okay. this Jesus thing. Yeah. 
Now, now the question about works is, um, I use the image in Galatians of the Pythagogos, the, the slave tutor. Mm-hmm. Paul uses this example to explain why the law goes away mm-hmm. as the means. Right. He says, well, the people of God have come of age. And in the ancient world, when you had a slave tutor, you'd have them until you become, quote unquote, an adult, so, mm-hmm. so to speak. And then you don't need it anymore. And Paul says, because you're curious, you're Lord of all. So I don't think Paul's problem is with works. Mm. I think it's that Torah, Torah, as good as it was for the period for which it was necessary, is no longer needed. And if you try to use it beyond that, mm. it actually becomes an obstacle. You're so going, I give the you're example. You're going all po- apocalyptic on us right now. Aren't you? <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> I give the example of spare tire. Everybody yeah. loves the spare tire. You right. need the spare tire if you have right. a problem. So yeah. it's like the Torah is like a spare tire. Mm-hmm. But if you use the spare tire beyond its need, yeah. It actually becomes liability. Okay. And that's Paul's concern. Yeah. It's not works. He talks virtually everywhere about that how works. important and good works yeah. are, even Ephesians 2.10. That's right. But his problem w- really is with anything yeah. that's going to detract uh-huh. from what Jimmy Dunn calls naked fidelity yeah. to Jesus Christ. Right, right. Okay. So do you? how do you wrestle with the idea that... Mi- that some of what Jews believed maybe was corrupted along the way. So let's say they had this idea of faith, but then works became twisted in terms of they were good things, but then they they used it in a very Lutheran, this is a very Lutheran kind of argument, right. but they used it as a way to get to God. So therefore you have a bunch of Sabbath laws sure. and Jesus is critiquing them for not truly understanding the law. Do you, I guess my big question is, do you think there could have been some, so we could go back to the original Jewish sources and say, no, this is what they truly were meant to believe, but did they actually believe that in the first century? Right. How do you, yeah, that's how do you great, think through that? That's a great question. These are some heavy questions for a <laughs> podcast. All right, these are some good <laughs> questions. So on the one hand, you know, I remember Don Hagner saying this. He said, we can't, we can't expect Ju- Judaism in the ancient world to be any purer than Christianity in the modern world. Right. So yeah. just like we have people we trying have to live by works today, yes. so quote-unquote Christians, yeah. you're going to have that. That's nothing to turn your nose to up to mm-hmm. about Judaism. Right. You have nominal or, or you know, off-the-map off, off Christians today. So surely Paul may have been critiquing that in, in Romans 4 or mm-hmm. perhaps in Ephesians. Gotcha. You know, that, that may have been there. In terms of Torah itself, there's a statement that Paul makes in Galatians, which is pretty shocking. Because mm-hmm. you have a whole school of thought now that wants to say, there actually, Paul imagines two paths. One for Jews and one Jewish Christians or Christian Jews, one for Gentile Christians. Mm-hmm. And and the, the, the Jewish Christians should be allowed to follow Torah and the Gentile Christians uh, should be, you know, shouldn't follow Torah. Mm-hmm. It's Paul within Judaism kind of new approach. The problem I have with that, and I critique, I, I reviewed a book recently, and you know, even though it was a great book, I critiqued it on. And this point that you're talking about is this: Paul says in Galatians, I think chapter three, the law is not of faith. I can't imagine a Jew fathoming another Jew saying that. Mm-hmm. How could one Jew say, right? How could any Jew say the law is not? Of faith, or the law does not belong to faith. It's 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 saying it's this outside or almost alien thing, and therefore can be removed from the equation. That's what Paul's saying, and it would be unfathomable. So if we say, are you oh, saying what, that doesn't belong to that era of faith? Is that how you're interpreting it? I he's saying. I know we're getting deep in here, but this yeah. is what the food truck listeners want. <laughs> they want the depths. 
Bring it. They want the pork on a stick of... <laughs> okay, so they, it, there's many different ways to interpret it, but I yeah. think he's saying it, it doesn't have... Uh, it doesn't have a native connection mm-hmm. to a personal and direct relationship with God, which is why mm-hmm. you have the whole argument that before this you had Abraham and then you had this, and now we can have the Abraham thing again. Whatever it means, he's saying these two things don't mix like oil and water. Um, and that's so dangerous for a Jew to say, and yet Paul's saying it. So this probably would have not only irritated, but just completely set off the Jewish Christian missionaries, for him to say the law is not of faith. I think that's probably top two or three most offensive things Mm. that Paul says to a more traditional Judaism of his time. Okay, yeah. So in that sense, I don't think he's talking about Torah being corrupt. I think he talks about its original purpose being fulfilled. Okay, yeah. So you think it... Sorry, just short answer. So you think it it can, and it was corrupted, but that's not what he's addressing? Is that kind of the distinguish... In Mark that you're making because it seemed at the beginning you were saying yes of course it, things can always be corrupted yes but you're not sure that that that's what he's addressing I, I'm saying um, I'm trying to get clarity myself yeah that's right <laughs> and he for talks our about so, in so many different I think if taken on a text by text basis yeah he, yeah he, he's not kind of a one you know right one hit wonder on terms of what he's talking totally. about mm-hmm. I think he's he is against any any focus that's going to take you away from Jesus Christ. So I got to use my favorite Simpsons illustration. Mm-hmm. Do you have time for this? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, I think we're just going to roll it and uh, right. we'll, we'll cut we'll stuff if we uh, don't cut. Don't cut Homer though. Don't cut Homer. <laughs> this no, is the like, come. We'll, we'll cut the other stuff that was boring earlier. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. All right, we'll just keep going a little while and then I'll make Eric just figure out what's good and what's not. <laughs> this is good though. This All is right. good. Homer's good. Yeah. So um, Homer, I can't remember which season or episode, but he decides he's not going to go to church anymore, and he's sitting at home in his underwear. And um, Reverend Lovejoy and a group of people come by his house to confront him about something else, actually. Mm -hmm. But um, he opens the door, he sees Reverend Lovejoy, and he says, Reverend Lovejoy, is this about Jesus? And Reverend Lovejoy says, Homer, everything's about Jesus. (laughs) I don't remember what the episode's about, but that stands out to me because it's good theology. Exactly. And... I think this actually fits into the discussion because Paul's not concerned with justification by faith. Just like Luther says, he's only concerned with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so any theology, any construct, even works of the law or Torah, Mm -hmm. is going to detract from that. And it's going to... And so that was Paul's... That that, that is behind every concern Paul has in all of his letters. Yeah, yeah. That's going to get us back to that center. Okay, yeah. So two other texts I'd like to go to the Romans 4 and then Ephesians 2. So uh, I guess my question is in Romans 4, and maybe I'm, I'm front-loading this, and yeah, just in terms of what you think of it, but it seems like he does pair or contrast Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness, and then he says, now to the one who works pays not credit as a, um, as a gift, but as something owed. So like the... It seems to mo- to me a very natural reading of that is you have faith and you have works. Mm-hmm. Are you like is, is are you interpreting that faith more cognitively there, or are you saying they're still that's still doing and doing because of the like the rewards and the gifts you you get either get one that's owed or you get it as a gift, which seems to say one's a doing and one's non doing. That's the way I've I've interpreted it a lot. So right, right, how, right. how do you walk through that? Because when I hear faith. 
is something you do, I'm like, well, then it's owed to me, according to Romans 4.4. 4. And he's saying, no, it's not owed to you. It's actually a gift, which then leads me back to, isn't this something we don't do? <laughs> I don't know. Are yeah. you following my logic yeah. at all? We need a couple more hours <laughs> for this one. Okay. So, okay, I'm going to definitely not answer your question. So... <laughs> Um, I think for modern readers, we have to ask the question, what are the works that he's talking about? Yeah, yeah. And the works aren't like tithing or whatever, you right. know, good works quote, of the Torah. Unquote, good works. Right. Uh, Romans, pretty much from beginning to end, is all about the question, who's the most important to God? Mm-hmm. And you can go back to chapter 3 where, God, where Paul says, he does in Galatians 2 as well, God does not play favorites. Right. You either live by grace yeah. or you die in your sins. Right. And either way, you're on a level playing field. Yeah, Acts 10. So we have to put this in the context mm-hmm. of questions about superiority, not about how one gets saved. Okay, yeah. So when Jews are boasting in their works and things, they're mm-hmm. boasting in things that are going to demonstrate their superiority. It is leaning more in the area of achievement. Mm-hmm. It is leaning more in that area for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, within a wider construct about status. Mm-hmm. Jew, people in the ancient world were all about honor. Mm-hmm. And you prove honor by what you do or right. by who you're connected to. Right. And in this case, for Jews, it was both. Mm-hmm. And and Paul's saying, no, this is just about going back to Jesus okay, and, and, and believing him and trusting him and losing everything along the way, which is what Abraham did. And so that's my non-answer to your question, but I think still think is a decent answer. <laughs> okay. And then one other text, because this is what I think people would be interested in hearing in terms of faith being a work. So Ephesians 2, 8, 9, saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourself. It's a gift. Now, I was actually, funny, we were translating this today in Greek, and we were debating what is the, this referring to? Is it the grace or is it um, is it the faith? In other words, for you are not saved by grace, grace right. uh, or you sorry you are saved by grace through faith and this it's actually singular is not from yourself so is it pointing back to just the grace or is it pointing to the faith because if it's pointing to both of them he's saying this faith is a gift and i know you've done p- part of this work is um divine and human agency and that yes. might come in here a little bit too so how do you understand what which part of that is a gift um, and maybe how does that relate with divine human agency? Sure. If that sure. question make any sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't sat down and studied that. I, just to be clear, I didn't actually did put Ephesians, Ephesians into that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I love Ephesians and it's, you know, it's worth pondering. My, my general instinct is to just look at that kind of reference as an all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's, I think he, be, I think Paul believes even our faith is a gift from God. Yeah. I don't think necessarily that's what he's directly addressing there. Okay. I think he's saying everything. Something that's really helped me is John Barclay in a in a uh, regent lecture on Galatians talked about boasting and it was really helpful for me. Yeah. When we think of boasting, we think of boasting in things we've done. Mm-hmm. Like I just lifted a thousand pounds or whatever. You know, right. it's like boasting in our, our achievements. In the ancient world, you could boast uh, in someone else's achievement, and what you're doing is you're kind of showing in group status. Right. So you th- we think about this with sports. Right when the Portland mm-hmm. Timbers win, mm-hmm. I feel so excited. You go cut down I'm a so tree. Proud. Like I feel like I did it. Yeah. Right. 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 But I didn't do anything. Yeah. I sat on the couch drinking soda. He nodded when he said he went yeah. and cut down a tree, like the really big historic ones that I'll you're not supposed to too. cut down. Yeah. But you know, boasting wasn't about boasting in my. In, it's a very individualistic perspective to say like, 
works right just about me achieving mm -hmm. for myself. Ancient people really thought in communities. Mm -hmm. And so even when we talk about boasting or works, you're not boasting in the fact that you can achieve salvation. Boasting was really about saying, you know, look at my group, look at my club, yeah. look at who I'm associated with, just like right. we do with sports today. Right. So, so when it comes to that, um, I think we can still get the same message today. Mm -hmm. We don't achieve it. Right. But I don't think achievement was the main thing that Paul was concerned with in the ancient world. Okay. Yeah. So we need to close here, but kind of speaking to pastors, mm -hmm. you've written this book on faith, Pistis and Paul, and in, right. and in Matthew and in Mark as well, and Luke, I think you dealt with Luke as well. Um, what do you, what would, what would you hope that people would go away with even like Sunday mornings that they would just make sure that they're understanding in terms of what faith is? What would you want right. Like, what would you be happy with if you were sitting in church and they said something about faith and you were like, yeah, that's kind of right. what my research showed me too. So what would your like brief summary, this is what we need to understand about it be? Right. So I want a pastor to say, I bought Nijay's book for $34.99. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, I guess I'd want to do the whole comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Mm -hmm. So for the afflicted, yeah. I, wanna, I w would want to communicate to them, faith means that you are united with Christ in a covenant relationship, and he's looking out for you every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And You have no worries, no fears. You don't have to be looking around your shoulder. Um, he's carrying you. Yeah. And to the comfortable, I want to say, um, you better get your butt in the fight. <laughs> you know, this is this is a slog. Right. Yeah. This is an uphill battle. Right. There's Paul something uses to do a here. lot of military imagery. Yeah. He talks about breastplate. He talks about helmet. He talks about sword and shield. Yeah. And faith means Get out there. Go after. I remember my son, you know, he looked up to my, his older sister. She plays soccer. She, he couldn't wait to mm -hmm. play for a club. Yeah. His first game, pouring, freezing rain. <laughs> He's miserable. I'm like, you wanted this. Yeah, Step yeah. up. Right, right. Now, is that works, right? Just no. It's just saying this team, this family, we get stuff done. We right. do it. We do right. it together. There's mm -hmm. lots of grace. Right. But your heart's got to be pumping. Yeah, that makes sense. And so when we come to this term and we think mainly internal cognitive, you're pushing the conversation to say that's and Matthew 23, 23 is a great example. Right. It's used more polyvalently in the scriptures and we need to recognize that. Yeah. I mean, if we say Christianity is about the faith, I would mm -hmm. want to say we need to be combining that with the way. Yeah. Right. And be able to say pistis as much leans into the way as it does quote unquote, which gets into ethics faith. kind of your totally passion. and i would yeah. say discipleship, discipleship obedience yeah. you know walking you know in the same yeah. you know, long obedience in the same direction kind of thing yeah that's great well next week when you come out with a new book we'll have you back on and uh we'll talk about whatever else you're working on but thanks so much for being here we really appreciate it thanks great conversation Thanks for listening to Food Trucks in Babylon. The music you hear is provided by our friends at Humble Beast Records. If you like the show, please leave us a review and feel free to subscribe. To learn more about Western Seminary, visit us at westernseminary.edu. 